welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Lena McRae. It'd be really cool if Manny Machado came out and sneak attack somebody, right? Like Bryce Harper in the middle of his home run. Come back there in the final round. Manny just comes out and just takes a bat to his knees. Yeah. Tanya Harding treatment. That's, that's something hard to wish on somebody. Welcome back to another Yak Sports Podcast. You're Augusta County Sports. Excited to be back this week. Lots to talk about between the weather, high school football, college football, volleyball. Got a lot to talk about. Joe, let's get into it. Yeah, I mean, let's start with the, uh, I guess, last week. Last week, there was a lot of rain. A lot of games got moved. Or a couple in particular that were kind of big games that we were looking forward to. Uh, Fort scan against William Monroe got moved to Saturday morning. Fort prevailed, so now they're 2-1. and one. And then Buffalo Gap got moved to Monday. And Buffalo Gap did not fare so well. Luray kind of... Beat them in, uh, I don't know if you were there or you were following on Twitter, Leland, but you were giving us various updates while I was in D.C. on vacation. Uh, it seemed like kind of a shootout there. Yeah, they both teams kind of got going there at Luray in the Gap game, and uh, Gap had their chance in the end. Uh, they actually got the ball in the end zone to potentially score a game-tying touchdown with extra point or go for two in the win, uh, but the, it got called back because of penalty. But, yeah, there in the second half, it really got going with trading scores, and uh, Gap just needed to find that stop. And when they finally got it, it was a field goal, uh, you know, not a block, but Larray just messed up the field goal. So Gap fell on it. They stopped the play there, and then Gap drove down the field, did what they need to do. They just couldn't get in the end zone. I don't think either team, though, I would say, in the Gap game or the Fort game, was really hurt by the delay. I, I think those games went very similar to how they probably would have gone on Friday night. Uh, you know, I really would have thought the Fort game would have been a 14-7 game that was in my mind. It'll be, you know, very similar to what the draft score was the week before. And the gap game, it doesn't surprise me that it was 28-21. I think that's about normal. So I think uh, the weather really didn't hurt those teams from what you could see from the score and reading the newspaper articles. All right. We'll get more into the high school football side of things in the C block after our interview with Cody. Uh, who we're bringing on already, uh, recycling guests. But Cody, a very good one to bring back on already. <laughs> it's a good time to bring them on with all this East Rock talk. Um, so going to the college side now, and this is where this weekend stuff, not that much going on except JMU uh, only played a quarter against Norfolk State, which is all they needed to get a 17 nothing lead. And I think everyone's happy that that came in. <laughs> established dominance. And that, you know, that team oh didn't gosh. even want to come out for a second quarter. They're just like, no, we lost. Go home. Yeah. Um, <laughs> UVA... <laughs> Lost to Indiana 20 to 16. Uh, bowl game back in dicey hands now. Yeah, I this is I brought up this game when you ran through the list preseason. I was like, I don't know. You just don't think Indiana's gonna? You just think they'll just beat Indiana? No problem. No, they go into Indiana and don't play well at all. You know, the quarterback who looked so great against Richmond, surprise when you play D1 competition, looked not quite as good. 20 to 16. They had a chance at the end, and they couldn't get it done. Uh, his, I mean, they had multiple chances towards the end. They couldn't get it done, couldn't get in the end zone. Ball uh, fell incomplete, and that was it. And so now you start looking ahead at their schedule, and they got Ohio. But, uh, you know, it, yeah, the bowl game is dicey, so we'll have to see what they can do. But last year, they had a lot of positive early. I was very doubtful. And then they came through, and they still got that bowl game. So I'm, I'm still going to leave the door open. That it's not, it's not a closed deal, but it's not an impressive thing to go to Indiana and lose by four points. You know, it, it, it's kind of embarrassing. Yeah, Leland, I agree. And you know, I, I think UVA fans, after that week one win against Richmond, some of them were feeling pretty good about themselves. 
Uh, Indiana, I think, brings them back down to reality. Like, hey, maybe you're not quite as good as you thought you were. And it's back to reality now. So I think UVA is going to have to be careful, especially in their weeks ahead. Look, I, I'm giving Ohio a win. Um, look, would I be shocked if UVA beat Ohio? No, but I, I don't want them to. So I'm not going to admit that they're going to be okay and win that game. Uh, and if they it do lose to- that game, uh, I think UVA probably doesn't make a bowl game. It just it needs to be a measured response. Whatever happens here, if they win the game, it shouldn't just be, okay, no, see, we're good. Beating Ohio is not going to prove that you're good. So, you know, the action is not that impressive. So we, I just, I just want to see a measured response. The same way that maybe Tech fans weren't as measured after the Florida State win, and maybe you and I weren't on the podcast either. But, like, just that early – a game in September is not going to tell you everything. A couple games in September can. If you lose a couple games to D1 teams that aren't – you know, in the upper echelon, that might tell you a lot, but you know, and winning a couple will, but just one doesn't. Well, and you, you talk about not reading too much into things. I don't read anything into Josh Jackson's success on Saturday against William and Mary. That game does not matter to me. William and Mary is not going to be a factor in the CAA, let alone in terms of playing an ACC team. Yeah. And every quarterback looked good in that game. And so, uh, there's a lot of things I could bring up to try to argue with you. I'm not, I'm going to let I, th- I kind of have faith that Jackson's going to look good in some big games, and then I'll just wait for that. I'm not going to argue with you in the meantime. <laughs> yeah, when I look at Ryan Willis's numbers in that game, four for seven, uh, that's when I know William & Mary's defense is garbage. They can't stop anyone. They wouldn't be able to stop Riverhead's offense going out there, and Justin McCorder could throw probably for 300 yards against that team. <laughs> I, let's, let's find out. That'd be interesting. But, yeah, um, speaking of Virginia Tech, their game this weekend just got – canceled um east carolina is going to use the term postponed because i think they're hoping it gets rescheduled to be honest i don't think it's gonna be a factor i I think if east carolina goes into that game with only five wins they're not going to a bowl game because i know they whooped up on north carolina but they're not going to beat virginia tech yeah and it was such a lopsided victory last year for the Hokies that it would be surprising if they could make up you know like 55 point differential that there was last year i think it probably is closer but I'm not, I, I wasn't worried about East Carolina. I, I, I don't think the game's going to get played because I think Virginia Tech's going to be playing an ACC championship game, hopefully, and they won't want to play that game. I mean, that's the only time I think they can make that game up. So uh, we'll see what happens with that makeup there. Hate that it's canceled. Uh, hate that it's one less game in preparation going before the Notre Dame game, but they do have ODU next week. Let's hope there's not another hurricane coming through and uh, get that game in next week and, and get ready for Duke and, and go from there. Yeah, I just think I think the days of close shaves against East Carolina and some of these other teams are over. I think that left when a great coach in Frank Beamer, who had probably stayed too long, finally retired. And now he's relegated to 100 shots on my TV during a Virginia Tech game of any sport. No, no, no. But I do love it. I love the stuff that they're able to do with Beamer. I still like him around. It's a, it's like it makes you smile to see him. I think they have these Facebook or Twitter videos where like he can't get a ticket, can't get into the game. The next one, he's still in the marching band uh, trombone trying to sneak in as a marching Virginian. The one uh, recently, I loved it because he like bought into the Fuente one and oh, like he's using terminology that the coach uses. I, I just love the cohesion there. I know. Some people wanted Beamer gone sooner and might not look at that as positive, but for the rest of us that kind of were okay, just I think it's okay that 
Beamer's still around, and it seems like such a positive relationship. Yeah, but I'm over it. I like he, it. I he like did it. a great thing for the all... program, but I am over it. I am so... Look, just let him be, right? Let him sit in the box. I just don't need to see his face every, like 30 times every game, and every time a punt's blocked, I don't need to hear about Beamer ball. Like, I'm sorry. There at the end, it wasn't Beamer ball. We weren't blocking punts and returning kicks when Frank Beamer was there during those six and six years. Yeah, but we started doing it again when Justin Fuentes was, was doing it. It was established before then. I, that's, I, I, that's you're such a Scrooge. You're like the Grinch. Like, just oh no, I don't want to see Beamer anymore. Just because we were six and six a couple years. Like every program out there has downturns. You know what Alabama was before Saban was there? Pretty bad. You know what USC has been since Pete Carroll was there? They've had some pretty bad. Uh, you know, Oklahoma is the only school that hasn't like fallen off in the last 20 years and good for them. But let's just accept we had a downturn. We still maintained our bowl streak. We still made, uh, maintained domination over our rivals. Like, just take the positives, move on. I'm happy Fuente's here, too. I'm not talking anything down about Fuente. I just enjoy that it's kind of a what we had for 25 years there's still a happiness that comes from that. And I, I just let me have it. Let me have my joy, Joe. Okay. Well, I think we would both agree. Bobby Bowden built the FSU program, right? Bobby Bowden built the FSU program. Okay. How come other than the game against Virginia tech, when Bobby Bowden and Frank Beamer, who were both big coaches who built their program and happened to play each other quite a few times. Other than that, when I'm watching so Florida state 50% of what you've seen Beamer this year. Okay, go ahead. Um, okay. Well, I've seen Beamer every year he's been on TV as well. He's been every time he's not been a coach. He's been on TV, even in basketball games. How come when I'm watching Florida state basketball or Florida state football games, I don't see Bobby Bowden religiously and they're not going, Oh, remember when Bobby Bowden was there? It's because FSU moved on. They realized Bobby Bowden wasn't that good at the end and they moved on. Frank Beamer did a lot of good things, but he wasn't that good at the end. Move on. Thanks. Thanks for playing Frank. Thanks for doing what you did. Thank you for leaving when you did. So we could get a talented coach like Justin Fuente to come in and pick up the mantle and carry on and win games. You just named it. It's because he chose to leave. He didn't get pushed out. He didn't have that, you know, coach in waiting like Jimbo Fisher was there at Florida State. It was all such a more positive. This is how it should be done. What you're mad about, this is how it should be done. It should be handled well. It should be handled in a nice way. Maybe Beamer could have done it two years sooner and the same exact situation. be. We wouldn't have Fuente, but maybe we have another good coach. But this is how it should be done. It should be a positive feeling. It shouldn't be cold, hard lines drawn. It should be a program. That's what college football is, is history, these years put together with fan bases that dedicate their time every week. And it's not the NFL where it's just cold, cut the coach, cut Brett Favre, get him out of here, send him to New York, you know, get rid of Peyton Manning, send him to Denver. That's not what college football is. And if we want it more like that, then let's go ahead and just start paying them and like have it just like the NFL. And then we'll have people not watch college football like they're not watching the NFL anymore. Well, we are paying college coaches, so I'm okay with that. But I meant the players and you know that. (laughs) But no, I I just look, I, I I'm totally cool with year one of Fuente. Like, let's honor Frank Beamer. Let's parade him around as this champion. But we're now in year three. Like, let's be grown up about it. I actually disagree. I thought in year one, we shot, probably should have chilled out a little bit. I think in year one, we should have pulled back the reins and had a little more separation. But here in year three, 
whatever. And the thing is, it's not going to continue. Every game, we're not going to see Beamer sitting there. He's going to go watch his son coach uh, at Georgia. Shane's down at Georgia. Thank He's going to go down there. I am so and happy when he goes and watches his son at Georgia because that then I, that's the one game a year I don't have to watch him on TV. There's more than one game. Just just chill. It's been two games. It's been the home opener, and it's been a big TV game. And every year we have the big TV game, whether it's at Bristol or FedEx against WVU, we have Beamer there. Just accept that that's going to happen. He's in every up. game. The only good news about Hurricane Florence is I won't see Frank Beamer on my TV this week. That's the only good news. Uh, you live a sad life, Joe. <laughs> moving on let's talk about some other big games this week that probably will get played uh lsu and auburn at 3 30 is gonna be a mammoth game um and you know what originally i was pissed when i saw lsu jumped us in the poll uh but then i was like you know what i don't know if we could beat lsu maybe i'm okay with that yeah i was watching lsu uh last week and they said something about Saban used to coach for him so I guess he probably hated that moment too but no LSU is pretty decent this year I watched them in that first game of the season against Miami and they ran Miami now I think Miami is probably better than they showed that night but I think LSU deserves the ranking they have they can jump us all they want we're gonna if we win we're gonna take care of our own business the ranking will take care of itself but this is a big time game with Auburn and this is one of those games they can lose and probably not fall that far because Auburn is supposed to be pretty good too I'm really interested to see how this one plays out because this is two teams that impressed in opening weekend. So which Tigers are going to win? I'm going to take Auburn just because I think origin or I never say his name, right? Ed or Orgeron. Yeah. I don't think he has as much big game experience as the head coach as, uh, Shizik does down there at Auburn. So I, I'm just going to take Auburn in this one, but I think it's going to be tight. I love those 3.30 CBS games. I used to get home from the nooner at Tech and make sure, you know, get back to my dorm room, get back to my apartment, and make sure I was watching that CBS game. I, I love them every week, um, and I think it's just going to be another classic on there uh, on CBS. And they get so many of them, and it's because they always have these good, you know, two ranked teams playing. I think it's going to be another great one. I agree with you there. I think it's going to be a good game, and I would agree that I think Auburn's going to have the upper hand in that game. I, I don't think LSU's going to have enough there. Ohio State, TCU, this is a game where Ohio State's going to lose. They're going to get upset. Uh, TCU is better than they are. Ooh. I think Ohio State is fake. I think they're not going to have Urban Meyer on the sideline in this game, and that's going to be a big factor as well. Uh, I, I just don't believe in Ohio State. I'm sorry. Uh, beating the two cupcakes that they've played so far means nothing to me. They're going to play a real ranked team, a bona fide top 25 team for the first time all year without their head coach. And I think they're going to lose. I, I like the prediction. We'll see what happens. I, I I haven't felt strongly either way. I think you usually are pretty pro TCU, but uh, you know, Ohio state, they've had urban Meyer there all week. He's doing the game plan. He's just not going to be there for the in game coaching. He has other head coaches on that staff who are not the interim head coach. So I think, you know, you know, adults will be in the room uh, in, in big moments that, you know, uh, Rutgers old coach that it's there, you know, those kind of people will be able to settle the tone. If it needs to be settled or some crazy play call gets called, they might be able to get it straightened out before it actually gets onto the field. Uh, but you know, I see what you're saying. I, I like the prediction. Um, but you know, Ohio state is up there for a reason. They have a lot of talent on the field. I, they do have the distraction, but we've seen other teams, this year play through distraction and have some pretty good success. So I don't, I don't see why Ohio state can't do that, but I like the prediction. Yeah. But Muhammad, as Muhammad Ali once said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth and game situation is getting punched in the mouth. What's Ohio state going to do 
when that guy not named Urban Meyer has to make a tough decision. Greg Schiano did build Rutgers for one year, and then Greg Schiano did nothing. And Rutgers was not very good other than that year with Ray Rice. And he, But he's been in the head spot and play, in, in other big games since then. I mean, he coached in the NFL. He's not going to be get overtaken poorly. by the moment, Will Schiano. So, I mean, that's kind of my point. I, I'm not saying you're dead wrong. I'm not really arguing with you, but... I, you know, I'm just trying to bring up the counterpoints to that, that, you know, Ohio State is number four and you act like they haven't been in big games, you know, for a year, every year for the last, you know, two decades since they've been on top of the world. These none of the players are going to get shaken from a big moment. TCO might come in and punch them in the mouth and Ohio State responds more than they don't. Sure. Oklahoma came in there and beat them last year. There's a good example in your favor, but they're going to respond. They're not going to get run in this game. I think they'll get run. But um. USC Texas is a game of two disappointing teams. USC will be yeah. less disappointing, and they will. I think they will crush Texas. And I think this is uh, Coach Houston there in Texas. I think this is his, the beginning of his swan song. Uh, he might not survive this wow. year. Wow! Wow! This is second year. Uh, that'd be interesting if they get rid of him that quick. Uh, they gave him a lot of money, but yeah, they can't get things right down there in Texas. And in the preseason, this had to be a game that Fox just had circle like, oh, we win week three with the best game. And now no one's even going to watch it. <laughs> I, I do like the story out of USC. Um, you the kicker or the, the snapper who's blind and they, mm-hmm. they get him in there. That's very cool that they're able to get that done. Um, it's a good story. If you if any listeners haven't seen it, search it out. ESPN always uh, has different things on. It. I think they've done three different features on it. So search that out. But a uh, very nice story about the the blind long snapper. Yeah. It's just a game last week where USC got handled by Stanford. They just do not look very good. Yeah. Um, yeah. JMU plays Robert Morris. Who cares? Uh, and then, uh, let's and move to the NFL. Thursday, you know, cool. <laughs> uh, they could yeah. play that game at the North pole on whatever day of the week they want. And they're still going to win that game. Um, uh, this is, this is, a, a you know, all these JMU fans that want JMU to move up to D one, Get ready for weeknight games if JMU does that. You go to the MAC, you go to Please. the, the South, Southern Conferences. You're going to be playing like Tuesdays and Wednesdays, so get used to this week stuff. Yeah, uh, JMU wants to know why they has struggled to keep fans in the stadium the whole game and why they struggle to keep, get fans to the stadium sometimes. It's because you play teams like this. Who wants to watch Robert Morris? I wouldn't. I wouldn't watch Robert Morris if it was taking place outside my apartment. I got nothing for that. I don't, I don't have an argument. Where is Robert Morris? Who cares? It, or, wait a minute. Is Robert Morris, is there a campus outside of your apartment? Like, is that a like a relative fact here? It might be. Like, <laughs> I don't know. No one cares about this either. team. I couldn't tell I, you no one wants to watch Norfolk State. If they played the Norfolk State game outside the hotel in D.C. I was staying in, I wouldn't have looked out the window to watch it. I would have been like, no. <laughs> there's there's other stuff to do like i don't Alabama's know on tv somewhere here. yeah there's something on tv yeah the tv is working like even if it wasn't maybe i would pretend it's working i wouldn't watch that I mean, game you were watching clemson texas a&m which was a heck of a ball game last week anyway it was interesting to watch jimbo come in there and uh you know really get texas a&m in a big game and have him in a position to win already and then he jimboed it up you know there was still the jimbo moments where uh uh, things just aren't going their way. And it's not necessarily always his fault, but it's just him confused on a sideline is a staple of a Jimbo Fisher uh, game. Yeah. All right. Quickly here, Leland, to wrap up the A block, uh, let's talk NFL and then uh, toss it over to you for some volleyball talk. Uh, your, uh, well, before we get there, the Ravens looked great against the Bills. 
I would like to see a little more out of the ground game, but Joe Flacco looked really good against a terrible Bills secondary, and Nathan Peterman is the worst quarterback in NFL history. We can go ahead, put that in this, put that in stone. That's a fact. Uh, it's not an opinion. It's not up for debate. He is the worst quarterback to ever play a down in the NFL. Terrible. He's terrible. Uh, the Redskins. He's very terrible. The Redskins look good too. Both both teams yeah. in the Beltway looked really good this week. They look solid, and with both teams, I would just like. Go back to the beginning of the conversation we had here about one game doesn't make everything. I think both teams are playing teams that I think are weak this year. The Bills, obviously. But the the Cardinals, I don't see why anybody's very positive on the Cardinals this year. So uh, let's get a couple games in before we really look good about the Beltway teams. But yeah, Redskins look solid. You, you like to see Peterson running so well, get in the end zone if you're a Redskins fan. Meanwhile, my Steelers look terrible. I mean, they oh, look yeah. terrible. Man, it you were talking about the Browns. I, I was all ready to rip you in week one, and then they went out, <laughs> and they should have won the game. Only the Browns could not win that game with that interception late in overtime. And really disappointed in Cleveland to not get that win. Also disappointed in shut the up. NFL. No, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Last week you gave me all kinds of crap about saying positive <laughs> things about Cleveland. So don't tell me you're disappointed in Cleveland. You can eat it. I don't care. I actually was worried about this game. I thought Cleveland was going to come out and play really well and beat my Steelers. No, instead, both teams just looked terrible and neither team won the game and neither team lost it. It was the worst. I've watched other ties. I've watched the Steelers tie the Falcons back in like 2002. I've watched other ties. This was the most depressing tie because neither team wanted to win. I also think the NFL needs to get rid of ties. Please. What do you just play all day? No, just do what college have a modified college overtime. Start at midfield. Mr. Soccer wants to get rid of ties. Start at midfield. <laughs> Just have a field goal kicking competition at the end. Absolutely. Love it. Let's do it. <laughs> I I don't know. I It would be maybe nicer if it was a longer period to have a better chance of getting out of there. But uh, I'm I'm fine with ties. They happen so rarely that I'm just not that concerned. I, I don't feel like the last three years there's been a tie like a, every year. Probably. I don't, I, I don't think there's been one every year, but. I think I can remember like five in the last 20. So I, I, you know, one every four years doesn't bother me. No. Okay. You're wrong, but okay. Let's, let's I want to talk about, volleyball. let's talk for it. Oh, upsetting Wilson, dude, dude, that's, that's nasty. You know, it's the defending state championship, uh, state champion and two a is Wilson. And, uh, they come out and play a, you know, play a tough game against Fort actually win the first game against Fort, but then, uh, you know, Fort, uh, Fort Defiance just gets going and they run off three straight and they get the win. So, you know, congratulations to the Indians. And that really gives them a lot of confidence moving forward for a team that we talked about last week, having a lot of success and, and uh, expectations really looking forward to what, you know, Fort can do from here, have probably ga- gaining a little bit of, uh, energy off this Wilson win and move forward into the rest of their schedule. Yeah, it doesn't get easier for Wilson either. They got a tough game against River, tough match coming up against Riverheads this week. And speaking of Riverheads, they are going to have another big match against East Rock. Yeah, Riverheads has a terrible week playing Wilson and East Rock here all at the beginning of the week before the hurricane comes. So it'll be interesting to see how those go for them. But, um, you know, that it, it shows how strong the volleyball is in this area. All these teams playing each other. You know, just the Shenandoah district alone is tough. You know, a lot of teams that even have some losses this year, like Robert E. Lee and Stewart's draft and even Buffalo Gap, they've had a lot of success in the past. So one of those three teams that I just named is going to get 
back to playing good. And they're going to, they have good chances to knock off Riverheads, East Rock, or Wilson. So we'll have to see what happens there. Really rooting for Fort Defiance in the Valley District. I think Waynesboro's down. So for our area teams, really pulling for Fort Defiance. I know a lot of kids on that team, a lot of families surrounding that team. So really rooting for the Indians the rest of the season. All right. Well, that will wrap up the A block. We'll take a quick break. And when we come back, it'll be Cody Elliott. And we'll talk to him about East Rock and the Valley District. Back here at the X Sports Podcast, we are now joined by Cody Elliott of the DNR, and we're going to talk all things East Rock here for a little bit. Cody, thanks for coming on with us. Yeah, no problem. Happy to be back. All right, let's talk about East Rock last week before we talk about East Rock this week. Last week, they went down to Gypsy Hill, took care of business. They were in a tight game for a while, but they pulled out the victory. Talk about what we learned from about the Eagles out of that game. Oh, uh, well, I think first off, it was the game that um, Jawan Evans has kind of been waiting for um, the East Rock running back. He had uh, he had, he had, been, he had a good season compared to many others up to, up until that point. Um, but he kind of felt like he had a little more to offer. Um, he, he felt like he hadn't really got to show his full potential. And, and, and a big part of that was thing. I mean, they had two blowout losses or two blowout wins, I'm sorry, to open up the year. So, you know, and one of those games was only a half. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So he, but he never really felt like he got to put a full game together and show off what he had been kind of working for all summer. And, um, you know, last week I thought he, he really did a good job of showing that um, 273 rushing yards, four touchdowns. Um, I mean, just a huge performance. Uh, there was one run there in the third quarter that was, I mean, just absolutely high, highlight real worthy. Um, he was a star for East Rock. Um, and then the defense, uh, you know, Lee had an injury to their quarterback, Will Dive. But even before then, um, you know, Donnie Coleman, the head coach, was really happy with how the defense played. Uh, he felt like they did a good job handling um, Lee's offense, which has potential to be, you know, high-scoring, high-octane. So, um, overall, I think it, it was just it was a solid road win for those guys. And for a team that's trying to prove that it's, it's ready to take the next step and beat those good teams, that was a good start to do so. You know, I asked you in the mailbag last week what were the biggest wins of East Rock's uh, history in the regular season. They've won some playoff games. Obviously, those would be probably the top of the list. But regular season wins, where does that rank? Is that better than some of the answers you gave me, or, or is that it? Yeah, I think. I mean, I think that has to be up there. Um, you know, I, I think you, you, they'll always, if you ask the people in Elkton, they'll always point to that first win over Spotswood just because of what it meant for the, the school as a, as a whole. Okay. But in terms of – as a football team, I mean, yeah, that I, I would put, and and for me personally, I think that's probably up there, um, just because, like I said, they're they're a team that's trying to prove that it can it can beat the upper echelon of the Shenandoah district, and they've never been able to do so. They've always kind of been that number two, number three teams, never been able to beat the top guys, and um, you know, Lee was expected to be one or two this year, and to go on the road and be able to do that, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely think that has to be. The best win, if not, you know, no, if not, it's number two or number three right there. All right, looking ahead now. They play Riverheads this week. The game's got moved up to Thursday. Uh, so not not too big a difference. You know, both teams, I think, will roll with that change. I don't think there's that much to talk about there. But this is a game where Riverheads has come into this game many times with East Rock kind of nipping at their heels saying, hey, we're here. We're, we're going we're gonna to beat you. And the last four years, Riverheads has beat them by 21 points each year, exactly 21 points. The best game that East Rock has had against the Gladiators back in 2013, when really East Rock, I was at the game, East Rock should have won that game. They lost 41-35. Riverheads intercepted a pass in the end zone to close that game out. But 
East Rock had been scoring at will all game, but they just couldn't stop Riverhead. So talk about how you think this year's game is going to go. Uh, I mean, I think it's going to be an extremely good game. In my, in my opinion, it's the game of the year. Um, it's, it's honestly unfortunate that it has to come so early because I would love to see this get played late in the year. Um, you know, these two teams won't meet again the rest of the season with uh, Riverhead going class one and East Rock in class two. But, yeah, I mean, th- these are two very, um, very powerful teams. Um, I mean, Riverhead's a shame. They've only lost 12 points in two games. Their defense is obviously extremely strong, as always. And, um, you know, they're, they're doing what they always do. They have a strong run game. And, and then uh, Justin McWhorter at the, the quarterback spot um, seems like he's he's really provided a kind of a, a new edge to that Riverhead's offense. And, uh, you know, East, East Rock coach Donnie Coleman talked about that today to me. He said that he, he's, he believes this is one of the more – dynamic offenses that they've had in recent years in terms of being able to put up a lot of points and uh you know just dominate opponents um East Rock has shown that potential not not quite as dominant as Riverhead has so far but um you know I think East Rock has has the talent to hang with them it's it's going to be a matter of um who who can hang on to the ball the most I mean the weather's going to play a big role in this and uh when it comes down to stuff like that I think you kind of give the edge to Riverhead just because they've been through it so many different times you know, East Rock has played harder competition. I think that's one thing. You start talking about what the teams have done against competition so far this season. Riverheads has rolled over two opponents that do not look playoff bound. And East Rock has played two opponents out of the three that I'm pretty sure are going to be in the playoffs between Robert E. Lee and Spotswood. So, you know, I think East Rock's had the harder test so far. And their defense is still putting up incredible numbers, you know, only giving up 12 points a game. That's incredible compared to what East Rock's defense usually does. What do you think their the difference in their defense is this year? Well, I, I think it's it's kind of been a project for them. It started last year when Kyle Gillenwater, who used to work at JMU, came over as the defensive coordinator, and he kind of took some pride in getting that that them turned around a little bit last year. They showed a lot of improvement, um, maybe not quite as dominant as they have been this year, but they showed improvement. And then um, to, to keep working throughout the year, the summer, and then uh, you know, I mean, they're very experienced. They uh, they run a two platoon system. Um, you don't see very many guys on that team, if any, playing two ways. Uh, pretty much everybody plays one spot. Um, they've got, you know, 21 seniors. So, I mean, they're just a very experienced group. And, you know, if you if you put guys on the field enough, uh, you know, eventually they're going to figure it out. And I think that East Rock is, has a lot of very talented athletes, but guys with experience too. And that's kind of what's leading to their success so far. All right, Cody, I'm going to – you're probably going to either make your readers happy or mad with you right here. I want to see. I want to hear some kind of prediction out of you on this game. Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> it, it, this has got to be. A, it's a tough one, and um, you know, I don't know. If it, it. This is a game. I, I believe that Riverheads has an advantage going in because of, like I said, the experience and the savvy, and just being Riverheads and knowing what what they're capable of doing. And it's hard because anytime I've ever chosen against Riverheads in the past, it's always backfired on me every single time. They've always made me look silly when I do that. Um, but East Rock game does have a team that I, I've been around a lot. Um, I, I think they're ready to take the next step, and they certainly could prove me wrong. Um, if I <laughs> if I was held down and forced <laughs> to make a pick, I I guess I would go with East Rock game. But like I said, it's really, really hard. Um, I think it's going to be a close game that comes down to the end. Uh, you know, and it, if – if Jawan Evans can can do what he did last week against Lee, which is, is going to be a lot harder against Riverhead's defense, but if he can if he can kind of control the game and then let things open up for Dylan Williams at the quarterback spot, um, I think East Rock can, has a chance to be successful. But we'll see. <laughs> 
All right. Well, Cody, uh, I'm going to move things toward the Valley District now. Um, let's start off by talking about the two teams in the Augusta County area. Let's start with the positives. Uh, Fort Defiance, two and one, off to a hot start. And really, with Wilson coming up on the schedule, a chance to go three and one, which I think a lot of people, even Fort fans, would have thought may have been, you know, pie in the sky hopes. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that's great to see. I don't think there's anybody in the area who doesn't enjoy seeing that for for Fort. Um, you know, they've had some extremely rough years, and um, they they seem to have found some success this season, and that's that's great in terms of building that program back up. Um, you know, it's not going to happen overnight, and uh, Dan Roth will be the first one to tell you that. But you know, they've got a couple wins. Um, that, that just changes things in the locker room. It gives the kids confidence. It gives them a, ch- a chance to believe. Um, so you know that they, they aren't necessarily going to overpower anybody. Um, they're they're kind of uh, they're going to win if they're going to win games. It's going to be ugly, um, and you know they they've got some guys in the backfield. They got a quick guy in Coleslaw. They've got the uh, fullback um, Bartley. I mean they've got some guys who can get after. It. And the defense has been huge the, um, the past two weeks in their wins. So, so uh, you know I mean that's that's great for them. And like you said, they've got a chance here with Wilson on the schedule, depending on how that goes. And then um, with Waynesboro struggling and. Uh, the Valley really as a whole, just kind of looking wide open right now. Um, they've got a chance to maybe win a couple more games and see how the season goes. I was going to say, I, we were talking about this uh, last week. The way the schedule looks, it's not out of the realm of possibility for Fort Defiance to go 5-5 five and five or even, dare I say, 6-4, and four, a winning record. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this, I, I, I was looking at the same thing just the other week. Um, their, their schedule was very favorable. And, um, you know, I, I still right now put TA and Broadway a little bit above them based off what I've personally seen. But at the same time, um, you know, Broadway is kind of a team that's reeling right now with, with everything going on up there. So, uh, you know, Fort, like I said, Fort has a chance. Uh, I, I think Waynesboro is a very winnable game. And um, TA and Broadway both uh, are very winnable as well. So um, as long as they keep improving, yeah, you're right. Five and five is definitely a real possibility. Yeah, and Cody, you've mentioned them a couple times now. Waynesboro, they're zero and three, barring what I would say a miracle. Barring a miracle against Clark <laughs> County, zero and four. Uh, you know, Leland's joking about it, but I, seriously, I said after week two when they when they lost uh, in week two, I was like, oh, that season that season over after losing to Wilson. Um, and I didn't think they go to the playoffs. I think now playoffs definitely over, and I think right now you're just looking for confidence builders outside of that fourth game i'm not sure there's a game waynesboro can win yeah no it's it's unfortunate you, the, those two uh games open up the year against Shaft and wilson those were those were prime opportunities for waynesboro to win and it's it's really strange because waynesboro's got some playmakers at different spots um the quarterback davon young is a quick guy he can't necessarily throw it as well but he, he can he's very very fast and then i really like elijah braxton in the backfield i mean it feels like he's been there 10 years but he's just a big run running back who can really get after it. But unfortunately, I mean, I, I, I last time I talked to you guys, I kind of told you that Waynesboro, you know, they didn't do Sean Moran any favors leaving him in terms of talent. So, um, yeah, I don't see very many winnable games left on their schedule, unfortunately. Um, you know, it, it, it might be one of those things where as the year progresses, where uh, Sean Moran starts putting in younger guys just to build the future for the program. Yeah, and I agree with you, Cody. I mean, Elijah Braxton is a really good player, and I think that's the that's the game I've seen Waynesboro play against Draft, and he looked very good. And mm-hmm. defensively, they seem to have issues. Um, in the second half, they only Stewart Draft only had the offense on the field one drive, so I mean that was kind of an easy stop for them. But uh, outside of that, I'd say looking defensively, Waynesboro just has seemed to not really been able to put it together. 
Yeah, I mean, um, you know, Sean Moran, his his expertise is offense. That's what he he was an offensive coordinator under Derek McDaniel. Um, so his his focus is obviously um, stronger on that side of the ball. Uh, and Waynesboro has been through multiple defense coordinators for the past couple of years. They haven't really had a lot of consistency there. So I don't know if it's kind of just a perfect storm or what. But yeah, it's it's been ugly. And uh, you know, after a, a sixty-one to three loss to Brookville last week, um, it certainly doesn't look like anything's getting any better. All right. Well, thanks for talking to us again, Cody. And I'm sure we'll bring you on here before the end of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys. And we're back here on Yak Sports, the C Block. We're going to breeze through some high school talk here, Leland. Let's start with Buffalo Gap taking the L against Loray. And, you know, I, you and I were texting briefly. I think this means Gap is fourth place in the Shenandoah district. And that's best case scenario. Yeah, it kind of does establish that. And there, and here's Loray again. And last year, I, you know, Loray won this game against gap and they kind of established them as being a contender. And then they went on to beat, uh, Lehigh in a couple weeks out later, and they're going to have that opportunity again. Uh, Lehigh already has a loss already on the season, but you know, now Buffalo gaps kind of outside looking in on that top group. And now they play Lee this week. And one of those two teams between gap and Lee, play in whenever they play the game <laughs> this week. One of those teams is out of the out of the mix for the top spot, 100%. You know, you can't get there with, with two district losses. So this is going to be a really interesting game, uh, probably one of the most competitive games we have in the area, though I think we have three on the schedule. Um, but, yeah, I, I think gap is good. I just I think the one-dimensional factor for them is coming into play with Rivenberg. I think everybody knows Rivenberg is going to get the ball, and I think some people are starting to figure, well, Rivenberg is going to get his two. If we just keep them to those two, we're gonna we can still win this game because Gap's not stopping our offense and they haven't stopped anybody yet. No, Gap's defense has been pretty bad. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree with you, Leland. And I think this this Lee game decides whether they're fourth or fifth. I don't think Gap can beat Riverheads. I don't think they can beat uh, East Rock. So that's it, in my opinion. Fourth fourth place if you beat Artie Lee, and I'm not sure they can do that. Uh, if Dodd plays. If Dodd is healthy and he plays against Gap, I think Artie Lee's defense made some improvements against East Rock. They hung with him for a half. And I don't know if Buffalo Gap can get any stops. I, Yeah, I I think it's going to be another shootout like the game was last year. We called it last year, and I think it, it was a shootout. I think it's going to be like that again. I think Rivenberg is going to get more than his two. I think he's going to get his three or four. Um, I just think their inability to throw the ball is eventually going to hurt them. And I think it's very likely Lee pulls this one out just because Lee can pass and throw with Dodd in there. I'm hearing Dodd is okay. I'm hearing he's not, you know, hurt forever. Um, I was hearing that Saturday morning. I was hearing that he's doing okay. I think he missed some practice yesterday, but I, I still think he's doing okay. So, uh, and yesterday, uh, in this sake is uh, the beginning of the week here, Monday. So, you know, we'll just talk that Dodd is going to be in there. And I think the edge, uh, I think Lee's slightly favored just because they're not one dimensional. Yeah. Well, and you know, you hope he's healthy. Obviously you don't want to see anybody get injured. Oh um, yeah. Every, every, I want all the kids playing. I don't want, I don't want to talk about games where players are all of a sudden missing last year. I think that's really what threw the wrench in the Loray Riverheads Lee thing was Jenkins all of a sudden being out surprisingly. I want kids on the field playing. That's where they belong. That's what makes the game great. All right, really briefly here, Leland, I'll let you talk about Wilson because we talked about Ford already with Cody, but um, I know you're a huge Wilson Memorial fan and you want to talk up the Green Hornets. 
<laughs> I just think their offense is so much improved and their defense is still relevant. I don't think it's at the level it was back when they were, you know, vying for state championships, but I think they're, they're a strong defense. They're going to get some stops, but offensively they can hit you from every different direction. Every guy that gets the ball, Welcher gets the ball to heaven or Welcher gets the ball to Norman. Walter gets the ball to Johnson. They're all scoring. And then this Rothgeb kid, sophomore, he's got all kinds of touchdowns on the year. And they're also scoring touchdowns on special teams. So they're finding ways to score and their defense is improved. That's just a recipe for a, a team that's looking to make the playoffs. And I, I you're not going to convince me otherwise. They're going to be in the in that chase for the, the playoffs. I said this at the beginning of August. I said it on WTON at our Bojangle show. I think I argued with you about it. I think they're taking the place of Stuart Straff of being on that line of in playoffs or out. I think they're going to get the wins that Draft isn't this year. And I think they're going to upset somebody. And it, it might be Lee here in two weeks at JMU. Okay. I, okay. We'll see. I, I don't agree with you there, but we'll see. Um, we will see. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us here on the C Block when we come back we'll have the d block and what's dominating our life and what we know that you need to know all right my favorite segment of the x sports podcast where we talk a little bit more about our lives social media this week we didn't put any hashtags out there but feel free to interact with us on social media even catching up on old shows feel free to still reach out and uh Tell us, you know, what your favorite podcasts were, you know, uh, what your Little League experience was like, anything like that. We always want to interact with you guys, so let us know. But what's dominating my life, Joe, is uh, it's a combination. You know, we've talked about dominating my life, The Office. I believe I talked about that in our episode zero. I think last week you talked about The Jack Ryan Show, which I've actually got a couple episodes into. Really enjoying it. I like it. There was a video put out this week. It's on YouTube. We will post it. It's called Jim Ryan, and it takes the Jim Halpert character from The Office and puts it in the commercial of the Jack Ryan show, and it has Dwight as the evil guy, and it's spectacularly done. The clips are perfect. It brings in Dwight saying things throughout the show of Office. That's great. It incorporates the snowball fights that were happening. It involves <laughs> Dwight at, at, at the funeral out on the farm where he was pretty grim about things. It's just an incredible, funny clip that makes you laugh for about two minutes. If you know the office at all, you will laugh throughout this. You don't have to have watched Jack Ryan, uh, but it, it, it's just a hilarious two minute video that everybody should watch. Yeah, um, uh, I haven't watched it yet. You did send it to me. I do need to watch it. I, I, I gave you the opportunity to. I know, you did. And I did not watch it yet, and I'm sorry about that. Um, Try to share my joy. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but, but, yeah, um, I, I'm, I've liked the episode I've seen of Jack Ryan so far, and The Office is great. So uh, the thought of the two of them being combined is only amazing. What's dominating your life, Joe? Uh, what is dominating my life is something I've talked about briefly before. Uh, it's been dominating my life before, but I'm going to bring it back because with all the weather, it's raining out a lot of games. Uh, so maybe your college football team isn't playing this Saturday, Leland. You know who will be playing on Saturday morning? <laughs> the Liverpool Football Club is back. They had a week off. It was the international break. Uh. Uh, but they're back in a big game against one of the other top six clubs, Tottenham Hotspur. Liverpool needs a win to stay on top of the league. It's a big battle. And uh, I fully expect the Reds to pull out, pull it out. Um, I think the big three are going to have a big game. 
Uh, I Liverpool did give up a goal, though. Uh, it was tragic. Um, but anyway, Liverpool wins this one. I'm going to say two to one. I mean, that's a decent enough thing to dominate your life. I'm not against it in any way. I you're just going to tell me about how much that. <laughs> I just haven't tuned in. It's just not. It's just hard for me to get into this sport that's happening on the other side of the earth. At and I know everybody else is into it. But I just I haven't got into it yet. I will if we're going to talk soccer. I'm going to be happy at least about a one of the ties that happened this uh, previous week. Last week, Virginia Tech went over to UVA, played them in soccer. They tied after two overtimes. You know, Virginia soccer is at uh, at, plays at a pretty high level most of the time. So I was happy that Virginia Tech was at least able to tie there. Uh, There's some local kids playing there from Waynesboro and and Riverheads. Kasak, the kid from Riverheads, playing over there. I think. was it Bender from uh, Waynesboro? I hope I'm not wrong there. But, you know, it's cool to have some local kids there, more going to Tech to play. So it was cool to come out of there with without a loss. I'll take that. All right. Well, what, what? I, what, what I what know you that you need to know, Leland, <laughs> I actually did get something. Uh, I was a little worried that I wasn't going to be able to think of anything. But I was trying to base it on my trip from D.C. I went to D.C. this weekend with my family, had a good time up there, did a lot of cool sights and sounds. Um, we saw a play called Sheer Madness at the Kennedy Center, which is I highly recommend if you ever get the chance to go. But what I know that you need to know, I was at the zoo, and we were in the reptile house, and the king cobra, I noticed, uh, is in dark. It's in darkness. Uh, you can look in. You can still see it. It's very big. Uh, and then this lady who works at the zoo came up to us and told us that they actually had to replace the glass and make it one-way glass because the cobra kept striking the glass anytime someone would stand in front of the enclosure. So they were worried about the health of the cobra. But that just tells you how aggressive that animal is. And so now you know what I know is that the cobra enclosure is one-way glass so to protect the health of the cobra from uh, potentially harming itself by constantly ramming its head into a glass. I could bring my oldest in here right now to come in on this podcast and she could go on for 10 minutes about the King Cobra. She watches the show Wild Kratts on PBS and it's actually an awesome show. It (laughs) really teaches you educational things about animals. Like it's not just, you know, giraffes have big necks and rhinoceroses (laughs) have horns. You know, it really dives into like some detailed stuff. And uh, it's a great show if if anybody listening has kids. Uh, Hopefully somebody listening has kids. But it's a great show. Uh, I recommend it. But she could come in here right now and tell you everything about the King Cobra that you didn't learn at your trip to the zoo because she's awesome. I love Yeah. I I never want to see a snake, (laughs) but I like learning about them. Never want to see one. I'm not a snake guy either. I'll say that. What do I know that you don't know? Or I'm sure you do know it. But Burt Reynolds passed away. And, uh, you know, it's... His name has lived in my mind ever since the first time I saw Happy Gilmore. And that's what I shared when when I heard of his passing was Happy Gilmore walking in the parking lot, seeing a limousine go by and say, man, must be Burt Reynolds or something. I mean, like every time I've seen a limousine since 1994, I have said that phrase. I rode in a limousine one time, I think only one time since then. And I just said it continually. I must be Burt Reynolds or something. You know, that shows how much of a dork I am. But his name has lived in my comedic mind for that long. Also the skits that making fun of Burt Reynolds on Saturday Night Live, the, um, turd Ferguson, uh, turd Ferguson. They were so great. So funny. So even without Burt Reynolds being on my screen, I've laughed about Burt Reynolds for so long that it's been, it's been great. 
but also it's funny just about a week ago on the tv Smokey and the bandit came on and we were sitting there watching it and uh man there's some terrible acting in that movie and some and some crude jokes but you still sit there and watch the whole thing and you and you watch Jackie Gleason just get irate and you see cars do physically impossible things but uh you laugh a couple times and you know people like Burt Reynolds can't exist in today's society uh you know the, those guys that are focused on one thing and I think we all know what that one thing is what I'm talking about those guys don't can't exist with the popularity that they once existed. So it's kind of uh, he's not the you know the last of that kind, but you know it kind of makes you think that hey these guys are going to start passing uh, and that were like Burt Reynolds that you know uh, just focused on one thing and everybody loved him for it. I guess uh, that was kind of before our time, but you know it's it's the end of an era with Burt Reynolds passing. Yeah, and uh, I think another thing, I know you hate when we date our recordings, Leland, but you've already done it once, so I'm going to go ahead. I've already done it once. I've already done it. Um, I think, you know, we are recording this on Tuesday, 9-11, and, you know, I think we would would be regrettable if we didn't mention that and talk about uh, just what that means to us as a country. We've come a long way in 17 years. the one thing I will remember, I was in middle school when, uh, in seventh grade, when the 9-11 attacks happened, and that dates myself, but um, I will never gotcha, forget, John. even, I will never forget, even in that moment, um, going into band class and hearing the principal and the band director have a discussion out in the hallway, and I had never heard our assistant band director raise his voice to another adult uh, before or since. And the principal was trying to have him not turn on the televisions and the assist and the assistant band director told him, this is history. These kids need to know what is happening. And this will be a moment where for him growing up, it was the JFK assassination. And he told us this later. And for us, it was that, uh, I, I was at Robert E. Ayler middle school when the planes flew into the World Trade Center and the Pentagon, and then the other plane uh, went down in Pennsylvania. Um, and while I personally don't know anyone who died in those attacks, um, there were lots of people, lots of people with families that worked in D.C. Uh, where I grew up, and it was a very troubling time for those kids. And I, I will never forget though. After that. Um, even then, I was a huge sports fan. And, you know, it was weird not having sports on the 12th and the 13th and the days uh, following that attack. Um, but even then, I could understand the significance of it. But George W. Bush throwing out the first pitch in New York uh, as kind of the first sporting event to take place since the 9-11 attacks and seeing the country come together in a way that we haven't seen since. And, you know, if it takes something like that to make that happen, I hope we never see it again. But, um, I, I, it does, it does make me wonder Leland and I don't want to get political on here. Um, but I do miss that feeling as Americans when we were, we weren't Republicans, we weren't Democrats, we weren't left, we weren't right. We were Americans, and we are a long way from that as well. Um, I think we have done a lot as a society to grow since the 9-11 tax, some in good ways, some in bad ways. But I, I guess what I would say in my closing point, then I'll let you talk about it, um, is that I hope someday we can get there as Americans again, 
without something like this needing to happen. I agree. And I think, you know, we're a lot deeper than we aim to be on this podcast, but I agree with you a hundred percent that it, that camaraderie that we felt there and it wasn't political, you know, the, the, what we felt. And since then it, it, enough time has passed where people find it appropriate do it both sides, both sides, a hundred percent, both sides do it. So, uh, I agree with you on your point and your want there. I was at Riverheads high school, uh, and I was with my wife. Uh, we were going from, it was activity day. We had come out of activities. We come back to our yearbook class that we were in together and we, uh, see the TV on and we see one of the buildings on fire. We're like, Oh wow. Uh, that's crazy. And they, and they're talking on the news. They're like, yeah, uh, an airplane. We're not sure what size it might, you know, it might just been an errant, you know, solo flyer. Like they didn't really know that it was a, you know, a commercial airliner that flew into the building. Uh, Man, we were watching, and that second plane hit, and uh, man, I get chills just even thinking about it. And that that instant where you knew that this was terrorism, this was a deliberate attack, it, that's one of those moments I'll never forget. And then the uneasy feeling the rest of the day, same as you. I went to my next class. We were in a history class, AP history class, and uh, it was a Mr. McRae. And uh, we walk in, and he said, he had the TV on, he said, sit down, watch that we're going to watch it. You know, we're watching history. We don't need to talk about anything. We're watching history. So we watched it and we watched it and up through noon at school, you know, with the classes we went to, we watched it up till lunch. And then in the afternoons, I think after everyone is pretty confident, there was nothing more happening at least. And everything had gotten really repetitive. Then I think it was the last block. They cut stuff off, you know, the, the afternoon blocks. So, uh, and then I remember practicing football that afternoon and looking up at the sky and not seeing any planes. And I really remember that fact of like noticing there's no planes. And it, the only reason I noticed it is because I knew there wasn't supposed to be, but it was just weird, weird feeling. I get home that night, my mom and I go take all the cars to the gas station, fill them with gas because we don't know if gas prices are going to go insane. Um, my mom was thankful, you know, my mom very much cared about the lives lost and she understood it better than I did. Even as a high schooler, I didn't understand the loss of life that day, but my mom did. She still was happy that a day that my mom already recognized was going to, you know, be a D day was going to be the day JF Kennedy was caught shot. Uh, you know, she knew that was going to be one of those days. She was happy. It wasn't my birthday. My birthday is tomorrow, the 12th. So she was just happy. It wasn't my birthday. And, uh, I just, I don't even think I understood that at the time. And since, since then I do understand now, you know, a couple of weeks ago I was watching on CNN, the, the two thousands, they come on Sunday night and it's a show that was chronicling the two thousands. They did a great segment on nine 11. You can find it. If you have any younger people, you know, middle school or up or any, any age that you want to teach somebody about nine 11, it was a great 10 minute segment that really framed the confusion of nine 11, the, the, the scared that came out of nine 11 and then what it revolved into and wars and the beginning of pol political aspects from it. But it was, it was a really interesting segment. I recommend it highly. There's a, plenty of good programs. I'm, I have a TV on behind our podcast right now. And it's showing the great guy from Boston college that wore the bandana that went up in the building and saved so many people, the great stories that you heard from that. You don't want to, the only, the only way you get a hero is if you give somebody an opportunity to be a hero. I hate that they had an opportunity to be heroes and, and him in, included. Uh, but you hear these great stories that come out of it and you hear it in, uh, you know, school shootings now and, and other bad stories. You hear about these heroes and uh, you just wish we didn't live in a, in a way, in a, 
in a world that you needed heroes like that. You wish we could all just be happy all the time. And I think that, you know, closes out on the same point you made. Why can't we all just be happy and live together uh, nicely? And, uh, you know, that's what high school football, that's what high school sports helps us get closer to. It lets us all come together, uh, liberals and conservatives and independents and, uh, and go watch and cheer for your school to win a game. And uh, that's, that's what we're here to cover. And, uh, you know, we hope everybody this weekend is safe with the weather, the uh, Fl Hurricane Florence. We want to make sure you're out there being safe. Sports is definitely secondary. We, we breezed past that in this podcast. Don't get confused that we know the severity of that. I have the bottled water and everything here. So, uh, and I know Joe's prepared us too. So make sure you're prepared. If you're listening to us, make sure you're prepared before you keep listening to us. And I guess I'm saying this at the end and not the beginning, but if this is your final reminder, go be prepared for the hurricane. And uh, let's not have a reason for anybody to be a hero for you. Uh, and if you know you live in an area that is likely to flood, don't wait until you need to be rescued. Because those... Yeah. Look, I know things happen and flash floods are flash floods and you're not, you know, you can't always react. But I, I think one of the frustrating things for me is when I see people who ignore evacuation orders. And this isn't really for people listening, I guess, in Augusta County. This will be in other parts of the state and other states. But when you but ignore evacuation orders, yeah. yeah, when you ignore evacuation orders and then people have to come and save you and risk their lives to save you because you didn't do what you were supposed to do. Um, don't, don't be those people. Yeah. All don't, right. Don't well, volunteer reasons to need a hero <laughs> after uh, getting real serious with you there. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here on Yak sports uh, until next week for Leland McRae. I'm Joe deck. Thanks for listening. See ya. You've been listening to Yak sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.